Well, don't look now, but all of a sudden, Stanford, Washington State means a heck of a lot more now than it did a couple months ago. Wouldn't want it any other way as we start to head towards November, would you? It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the show. Thursday, October the 25th, 2018, and we're getting ready for for what's certainly become a very big contest. We're going to break it down for you here on the TreeCast. I'm in Detroit, Clarity. Hey, how are you? It's been a while. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on a more normal schedule between bye weeks and Thursday games and my own uh, schedule with soccer with the Pac-12 network. Uh, now we're starting to get back into the rhythm, get back into the normal swing of things. and looking forward to doing that uh, from here on out for the rest of the regular season. So great to have you back with us here on the TreeCast. Looking forward to bringing you a couple of fantastic guests. The Andrew Luck, Director of Offense. You know him as Tavita Pritchard, the Stanford Offensive Coordinator. You'll hear his thoughts on how things have shaken out for Stanford on that side of the ball as we start to get ready for the Cougs. And, and some things that he'll be watching is as he tries to figure out a way to help lead Stanford to its first win over Washington State in three years. Funny as it might be, this seem, might seem to, to believe, but yes, it's true. Cougs have taken two straight against the Cardinals. Tavita Pritchard will share his thoughts on the offensive side of the ball coming up in just a few moments. And then later on in the show, looking forward to catching up with a, a good friend of mine. He and I go back a few years, back to our respective days when we, birth, when we both worked pit football broadcasts back in the day. He is now the radio play-by-play voice of the Washington State Cougars on the Washington State IMG Sports Network. Matt Chasnow, he, of course, will be in the building right next door to where I will be when Stanford faces Washington State on Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. kickoff from Stanford Stadium. A couple of quick housekeeping notes. Follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. I'm just a little bit shy of 1,100 followers. Put me over the top, will you? Follow me on Twitter. At Troy Clarity, at Troy Clarity. You have thoughts on this show, on the TreeCast. I always welcome them. Those uh, thoughts also come via Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. That by far is the best way to ensure uh, that I will see your thoughts on Stanford football, on the show itself. And uh, who knows if your thoughts are good and timely enough. um, I'll perhaps bring them up on the next edition of the show. You never know. So I always encourage interactivity here on the program. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way to do that. To do that, And, of course, always don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the show via Apple Podcasts. Thank you big time to those of you who have done just that to this point. And if you haven't subscribed, you know what? Hey, time's running out. You better do it now. We're, we're coming up on the home stretch here the regular season. All right? Subscribe, rate, and review the TreeCast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to those of you who have done just that. Now, the last time we brought you this show, it was before Stanford at Arizona State. That game took place last Thursday. And I had some trepidation, as as most Stanford fans (laughs) and followers did, heading into that game, given given how Stanford had basically laid a stink bomb against Utah heading into the bye week and how the injury report somehow didn't get much better during the bye week itself. So, yeah, I had a little trepidation, but Stanford able to put it together at the exact right times and to get out of Tempe last week with a 20-13 to win over Arizona State. 
putting the wraps on that game very quickly since we have not talked since then. And um, I'm not going to quibble too much with a win, especially a win that comes on the road in Pac-12 play. I'm not going to quarrel too much with, with, with how teams and how Stanford in particular gets wins on the road. Those are just too valuable and too precious and, and quite frankly, uh, too difficult uh, to pull off in, in this conference. So I'm not going not gonna, to not gonna quarrel, not going to nitpick too much. And I realized that there was a lot of grumbling with how Stanford handled things in the fourth quarter, specifically with the ultra-conservative, uber-conservative play calling from David Shaw, the offensive brain trust, in the fourth quarter as they tried to, tried to hold on to their two-score two lead. The popular term for how Stanford approached the fourth quarter offensively as far as their play calling has been turtling. <laughs> Just kind of retreating inside the cell, inside the shell, and uh, and holding on for dear life and hoping that things work out for the best. It did, although it got a little little nutty there, a little nutty there towards the end. And I realized there was a lot of grumbling about it, and I understand it, but I also understand the logic behind it. Stanford was up by two scores, by two touchdowns, at the start of that fourth quarter, and. Let's face it, anytime a defense and special teams game presents itself, David Shaw is going to take that every single time. And look at it. Stanford defensively had played quite well coming into that fourth quarter and continued to do so for the most part, getting a couple turnovers early on to help, help the offense get a bit of a groove and help the offense turn those turnovers into points. So I don't disagree with the logic behind how things got super conservative for Stanford offensively in the fourth quarter. And I, I can't argue with the result. I do also remember other times where Stanford would supposedly go into turtle mode, but they would be able to do a much better job of running down the clock and get first downs and to keep the other team off the field. It's funny. Back when Stanford would go ultra-conservative with leads in the fourth quarter, it was never called turtling then. That's because Stanford had the running game to pull it off and the productivity, the, the, the consistent productivity in the running game to be able to pull it off and to bleed the clock down instead of going three and out for the most part. Granted, going three and out on the ground is a heck of a lot different than going three and out in a lot of other offensive schemes in college because, let's face it, I have seen on more than a handful of occasions where a team that's up continues, its main continues to maintain its tempo, continues to go up-tempo, and they stop getting first down somehow, and they keep giving the, ball, uh, the, the, the other team the ball. And the next thing they know, they're walking out of the stadium as losers because they didn't realize situational football. They didn't realize contextual football, and they stopped – you know, they, 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 they didn't realize that you don't need to go fast, 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 fast all the time. You don't need to go 110% pedal to the metal all the time. There are times to gear it back and to dial it back and to start to use the clock as your friend. I think a lot of times in these up-tempo days of college football where everything is fast, 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 go, 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 people forget that. Coaches forget that. David Shaw obviously has a different idea and a different offensive philosophy on that. So if you are going to go ultra-conservative, that's probably the better way to go. 
make the other team use their timeouts, and certainly bleed down the clock. And Arizona State just didn't quite have enough time to do what it needed to do. So I get the grumbling with the turtling in the fourth quarter, as it's been deemed. I, I get it. And, and trust me, I would, have, I would have loved to have seen Stanford continue to mix it up just a little bit more myself in the fourth quarter. But I also understand the logic. And really, you shouldn't be surprised by it either. <laughs> you shouldn't be surprised with it either. But while some folks were throwing their hands up in the air about the fourth quarter, I tell you, that third quarter looked pretty darn good. And third quarter offensively is what this team should look like. That, I think, has been the best stretch offensively that this team has played to this point this year. Yeah, sure, you could argue the fourth quarter against Oregon. Uh, You can make a case for that. They did come from 17 points down. There is something to be said for that. But the third quarter, from an execution standpoint, from a play-calling standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, and from a result standpoint, that's what this offense should look like for more than just 15 minutes. That, to me, is the new standard about what this offense should be presenting itself as on a week-in and week-out basis. That was good to see. And you saw Stanford start to gain a little bit of its swagger back as that quarter went along. You saw J.J. Arcega-Whiteside just bowling over Arizona State defenders. You think he's just a guy who just goes up and catches jump balls? Uh Uh-uh. Duke can bring the thump, too. So I I saw Stanford gain some swagger in that third quarter, kind of reestablish itself offensively in that third quarter. You could also argue that the fourth quarter kind of took it away. You you could, and and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue too much about that. But at least we saw it. At least we saw it. Because we hadn't in quite a while to that point. And another quick note on Arizona State. God, losing Joey Alfieri, not ideal. Good to get Crazy Tuhill back. Really good to see him back and, and, and running around out there at one of the outside linebacker spots for the Cardinal. But losing Joey Alfieri, who appears to be out for the next couple of weeks, that is certainly not ideal. Particularly this week but not ideal at all. So the education process for Jordan Fox and Gabe Reed continues throughout the course of the season. Those were a few of my thoughts coming off of the Arizona State results and heading into this week. Overall, I'm feeling better about things. I'm not going to lie. I feel a lot better about things um, coming into, coming into the, the, the home stretch of the regular season. That being said, as David Shaw noted during his weekly press conference on Tuesday morning, Everyone remaining on the schedule can beat Stanford. Even Oregon State? Well, I guess if if, if Stanford's really caught slipping that day. But it's still not going to be an easy road for Stanford to get to where they can still go. Pac-12 championship is still in play. Pasadena is still in play. So all those things are still on the table for the Cardinal. How can they get there? And what are some of the ways that, that the offense can, can do its part to help Stanford get there? For that and a few other things, I turn to our first guest on the TreeCast, the offensive coordinator for Stanford, of course, the former quarterback back in the day. I kind of feel weird calling 2007, <laughs> 2008 back in the day, but still. And now the, the Stanford offensive coordinator in his first year in that post, but he's been on the Stanford coaching staff uh, ever since the end of his playing days for the Cardinal. 
And always, I, I always enjoy catching up with him. Always good to uh, do, good dude to chat with. I uh, sat down and uh, caught up with Stanford offensive coordinator. I'm sorry, the Andrew Luck, their director of offense, Tavita Pritchard, joined me on the TreeCast, and here is that conversation. All right, Coach, coming in off a win over Arizona State, what were you expecting offensively coming into the Sun Devils? What were some things you wanted to see, and what did you end up getting overall? Um, coming in, you know, expected a, a defense that, that you know, has that same unique quality that San Diego State has. You know, it just, it just presents different issues than other uh, – than other defenses you face is a little, I guess you could say, unconventional. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's a young defense that was, it was really, they're kind of coming into their own, to be honest, you know, and they, they, they played well against us. They present a lot of issues. I thought we did a good job early on. You know, we, we got hit once early on. I thought we did, did a nice job of kind of, uh, withstanding that and then and then bouncing back and making some adjustments and protected well down the stretch and you know made enough plays we were more efficient you know which was I which which we were all happy with and and I thought overall um, you know just just the overall consistency of everything we were doing was a little bit better yeah the third quarter in particular seemed to be a particularly smooth uh, quarter overall sure. offensively for Stanford when you look back at the season to this point the first seven games is that the best stretch of offensive football that this squad has played to this point, or, or is it another stretch, or, or, or is there, is there some, some, somewhere else out there? Man, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, I, I would say, I would say that, that that stretch that we played with, it was, a, it was a glimpse of what this offense could be, for sure. You know, I mean, because you saw some explosion in there. You saw some just, uh, you know, finding the check down and, and, and finding positive yards on each play, efficiency in the run game. There were more clean runs uh, in that game. You know, and, and, and that was positive. That was that, that's definitely encouraging going forward is is you know, just our ability to, like coaches talked about, you know, sustaining blocks, getting a hat for a hat and just giving our backs a crease, you know, because you saw uh, consistently in that game they didn't need it to be perfectly clean every time, but when there was just a just a little dent there, you know, they were able to find positive yards. What does this offense do best right now? What's your biggest concern right now? Uh you know, I think what we do best is is um, this is this the offense is scrappy. You know, I mean, I think there have been a couple of times where, you know, with whatever it was that we have to that we have to uh, maybe adjust or, hey, you know, they're doing this. So we got to we got to attack them this way. I think our guys have been doing a good job of being able to adjust and 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 kind of roll with the punches a little bit. I think the concern is just is just the. the same themes that we've been talking about, just the consistency, you know, just getting that high level of play day in and day out, play in and play out, you know, and I think that's really where the uh, where the key for this group lies. The talent is there, the talent's there, and, and we just got to make sure that we're uh, we're focused in our preparation and then focused in our execution. Take me through the process about formulating the game plan week to week, a collaborative effort between yourself, David Shaw, the other offensive mm-hmm. coaches as well. You know, how, how does it all come together from week to week? Yeah, very, very collaborative. That, and that's always been the case here. I mean, through coordinators and through, uh, uh, you know, different position coaches, we've always done things very collaborative around here, uh, you know, even since my time as a GA. And, and I think when we all when we all arrive at those solutions with all those uh, voices, um, being heard, you know, I think we arrive at the best solution, you know, and so I think uh, it's one of the things I admire about, you know, Coach Shaw and the way he runs runs this is is it's always, you know, he involves the staff and he involves everybody, everybody around this program, you know, so that we can come up with the best answers. 
KJ Costello has had some fine moments. He's had some also some learning moments as well so far this season. How are you some of his performance so far this year? Yeah, you know, I told him before last game that that he was now a sophomore quarterback, you know, because he just got kind of his first full season under his belt. And so, uh, you know, I think you're seeing growth with him. And, 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 you know, our big thing with KJ right now is that don't make the same mistakes, you know, and I think he's done a nice job of that. He's he's going to have those because he's, he's, he's still a young quarterback, but, but really encouraged with one, the way that he is not making the same mistakes. He's learning from, from each game and each play. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's, he's being really open-minded and, 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 uh, honest about the things that he needs to work on and so I think I think just that right there tells you everything you need to know about him I mean he's a he's a extremely competitive uh, person but but he wants what's best for the team and, and he wants to get better every day couple last questions for Tavita Pritchard, the Andrew Luck Director of Offense, as he joins us here on the TreeCast. Uh, Washington State has been given Stanford fits, let's face it, from the defensive side for the last few years. Alex Grinch, the former defensive coordinator, now off to Ohio State, but now Tracy Clay is in the mix. Seems like some similarities between their two schemes, but I'm sure there might be some some differences as well. When you look at the tape of the Wazoo speed defense, what sort of things pop out at you? Uh, honestly, more similarities than there are than there are differences. I mean, they 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 still it, it is a speed defense. I mean, they they run around and they they play extremely hard and they slant and they move and they stem, um, and and it's uh, you have to you have to come with the mindset of hey, they're going to have some plays where they move and they stem and they may they may move into one of your plays and you just have to you have to stay the course you know with this team and you have to you have to play a complete game you got to you got to from from the first quarter to the last I mean you got to make sure that you're that your head's in it that you're focused and that you're you're applying your technique every every time as we wrap this up, still a lot on the plate. All of a sudden, this game means a whole lot more than a lot of folks thought that it might at the start of the season. Pasadena is still on the table, and a lot that this team wants to accomplish is still on the table as well. But overall, from your standpoint, what's it going to take for Stanford to be able to be in position to achieve all those things by the end of the regular season? Oh, man, win this game. Win this game. I mean, that's that's where we are right now. You know, I mean, we're, we are – I mean, this is our sole focus. I mean, I, I honestly, like, it's uh, – with where we are, we know that if we if we go one and zero this week, we're going to look up and, and see where we are next. And 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 I mean, it's it's it was uh, everyone in the country, or at least this conference, you know, saw that game that they had last week. Obviously, we were off that day, and you know, so we were able to watch it. And and uh, and and this team right now that we're playing, I mean, they're they're hot and they have momentum, and they're going to come in with a whole lot of confidence. One and just where they are right now, but two. I mean, like you said, I mean, they've they've played well against us. So we're going to have to we're going to have to play an extremely uh, efficient, consistent game to, to come away with a win. Should be fun. Looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. Coach, thanks a bunch as always. Always appreciate the time. Thanks, Troy. Always appreciate the time with Stanford offensive coordinator Tavita Pritchard. I found it interesting that, that, that he wouldn't out and out call Stanford's results against Arizona State in the third quarter. Uh, the best stretch that this offense has looked so far this year. But but he did praise the explosion. He did praise the checkdowns, the efficiency in the run game, and the and the positive plays that all seem to come together um, in that question. And, of course, he did note that the talent is there, but got to be more focused in preparation and in execution, especially against a speed defense that has, has let's face it, have, have just been a real thorn in Stanford's side over the past few years. So put all those things together. Uh, that's going to be uh, certainly one thing to watch as things unfold between Stanford and Washington State on Saturday afternoon. It is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity.
Hey, that's me. <laughs> Glad to be here again. It's been so long. What, a full a full week and a half since we've done this? Boy, it's good to be back in the fold and uh, looking forward to seeing how the remainder of the regular season all shakes out. But it starts this Saturday. Here come the Cougs, Washington State, the darlings of college football, ranked number 14. And, of course, coming off of coming off of a, of a monumental weekend that they're going to be talking about on the Palouse for, for generations to come. Cougstock, a raging success before, during, and I'm sure after the game. One guy who had a front row seat to all the festivities last week and the guy who is deeply embedded inside the Cougs is their radio play-by-play voice. And an all-around good guy. I always enjoy uh, catching up with him and hanging out with him, as we'll have a chance to do so again uh, this upcoming Saturday. But a uh, pleasure to welcome in to the TreeCast from the Washington State IMG Sports Network, the radio play-by-play voice of the Cougs, my man, Matt Chasnow. Matt, how you doing? Uh, you been to, been to any good uh, football games lately? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm doing great, and I appreciate you having me on the, the podcast. And uh Things couldn't really be better. Things are awesome. Yeah. How can you possibly sum up how everything went on Saturday up in the Palouse last week? Well, it's all time. It's all time. I mean, it's there have been big games here the last few years for sure. There, there have been huge games. And, and, and maybe with with the way the Pac-12 North has been and the Cougs one went away from the Pac-12 title game a couple of times now recently, you know, arguably bigger games, but none more nationally covered or or nationally anticipated just just with the fact of game day and with all the viewers you get with the buildup from that. So it's uh, it's cool to be a Coug. It is nationally cool to be a Coug, and, and that's awesome. Yeah, and, it, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was absolutely amazing to see uh, game day last week and uh, how well it portrayed the, uh, the, the campus and, and then the Coug fans and just the feeling of it all. It translated into the entire game itself. Certainly that first half was as good as it possibly got for the Cougs. Looking back on it, were you surprised with how things went for Washington State against Oregon last week? In the end, no. I, I thought it would be pretty tight. In the beginning, yeah, that was unbelievable. 27 nothing, and then basically one total yard for the majority of the first half acquired by the Ducks. I mean, it was dominant. It was really dominant, and, and, and the Ducks made their adjustments and, and came back out, and they're a good team. And they're a good team with pro talent, and, and that's not a surprise that they, they did that. They're, they're, you know, Jim Levitt's a great D.C., and and uh, Mario Cristobal's done a really good job in his first year. So that, that wasn't the surprising part. Let's go back to overall things coming into the year. And, and, and I'll be honest, I was thinking in the North, Washington State would, would be placing solidly in fifth place uh, behind Washington, Stanford, Oregon, and Cal. But what, what did you think was reasonable to expect for the Cougs at the start of the year? And how, and how has the reality uh, played against your expectations so far? This is this has been uh, really exciting. You know, I I don't know that anybody knew what was what was uh, going to happen with Gardner and and now essentially a Heisman campaign and 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 as and the O line playing as well as it's played with all of its turnover and Hercules Matoff. I mean, you know, he definitely lost a lot. But I I, I did pick them above fifth. I I thought they'd they'd uh, have a really good shot at finishing top three in the North. Um, I, I know the, the youth of this team probably better than, than most voters know because I'm here, you know, and, and I know that the Cougar recruiting classes have been 
frankly, better than the rankings. You know, these, these kids fit the system, and, and they develop really well in the redshirt years, and I've watched it now. So this is the fourth straight year that Cougs have been ranked. I mean, this is now basically half a decade in the top 25, and, and, and so to, to say I'm surprised by their success is, is really – I'm not at all. You know, I, um, I, we, they were as high as eighth in the country last year mm-hmm. with a fast start, and um, this is kind of what I'm used to now. You know, you go 9-8-9 the last three years and win totals, and you're looking to try to get back to double digits this year, and, and it's, it's a program now. It's, it's not just a one class that hit with Luke Falk and those guys. And they can certainly make a big case to uh, stay in that uh, realm of, with a win over Stanford, and they keep it going over the next few weeks as we start to t- get into November. You, you mentioned Gardner Minshew, and he, of course, is now the toast of college football. The stash is getting a lot of love nationwide. But, but what makes Minshew such a dangerous quarterback, and how has he been able to assimilate so quickly uh, into this offensive scheme? He's confident, and, and he's confident, and, and he's athletic, and he's accurate. He's really accurate, and he can make all the throws. His arm is big enough to make all the throws, but he puts it in really tight spots, and then he puts it in places the other guys can't get it. He, he throws very few interceptions, and he throws, he throws a really catchable ball. You know, you, you hear, like, cliche QB talk, catchable ball, and, and the, guys, the guys find their hands on, on the, his football better than they did for Herbert against, against Oregon, and, and a, lot of, a lot of complaints last year. Complaints is the wrong word, but criticism when we went to Wyoming about how you know the the Cowboy offense last year wasn't elite, and Josh Allen threw a ball in, in seven degree weather, hundred miles an hour, and <laughs> it's hard to catch that. Even in Buffalo, the Bills are going to have a hard time with that. It's just part of the deal, and and you know that's not Gardner. He throws a, a, a really catchable ball and and puts it where it needs to be. So um, you know he's he's got a great personality. He's a really nice guy. Uh, I, I have been sworn to not shave my mustache during the win streak <laughs> from our chief of staff. So. Troy, when I see you Saturday, this thing's gnarly, man. It's there and it's gnarly, and, and you know we're we're all having a good time. At least trim it up a little bit. Can you at least do that? Yeah, I, I refuse actually. But <laughs> wow. if, if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. There you know you what go. I mean? And I I actually did some research on this. You're you're really not supposed to touch it for six weeks if you're going to do it. That's the way it's supposed to be. Just <laughs> just let that puppy go. So that's where I am. I, I I wish I could do that. It would not look good at all if I if I tried. Well, to I, I didn't say myself. it looked good. I, I, did, I didn't say it looked. Let's be totally clear. It's just there. You know, it's there. <laughs> hey, if you're going to get 100 percent behind the cause, you better do it right. Right, uh, right. One young player who seems to be really emerging and establishing himself was was a familiar name to Stanford fans. Uh, Max Borgie, the running back from Colorado, who chose to go to Washington State uh, over Stanford. Uh, what has he meant to the Cougs' offensive scheme so far this year? He's depth. He's depth, and, and and he's scored a lot of touchdowns. He's got a. He's got a. Uh, once he gets five yards ahead of steam, he's he's been impossible to stop backward. He goes forward, and when when you're there near the goal line, that that means you're it. So that that's what we've seen. We saw it in the first game against Wyoming. He had two of them, and uh, he's been. He's been really. He's been more than just solid. You know, he's he's been uh, a, a definite complement to a guy who may be the best back this year in the Pac-12 and James Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. You, you mentioned James Williams. Who are, who are some of the other weapons on this Coug offense to watch? Not just the guys catching the rock from Gardner Minshew, but the guys who might be taking handoffs from Minshew and making big plays there. Well, the third guy's Keith Harrington, and and he's got great burst and and. He had a big year a few years back, and he's a senior now. He's a big-time special teams guy and, and also had a couple touches last week. Uh, uh, that, that's really it. Those three are the guys taking the, the carries, Williams, Borgie, Harrington. In terms of receiving, you're looking at 15 guys. I mean, for real. You're, you, you, so 
Uh, I don't. I don't envy Scott Reese and his prep. I don't envy anybody who's, who's trying to, <laughs> to, to to get set for us. It's 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 legitimately fourteen, fifteen guys that could catch a ball, average about ten a game, including the backs. So, um, Travell Harris, Bernard Bell, Kyle Sweet, Tay Martin, Des Patman, Aesop Winston, uh, and, and that's just to name you know some of the main guys that come to mind, and, and they go deeper than that. Rob Lou caught a touchdown earlier this year. I mean, there, there's all kinds of weapons for Gardner Minshew that's that's partly the reason for success Calvin Jackson Jr. Rod Fisher's a freshman I mean they are they are loaded with talent it's amazing because as much as 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 much top billing as the air raid offense gets and rightfully so it's fun to watch and when it's running on all cylinders it's absolutely lethal but to me the, the, the heart and soul of this team has really been the defense and what it's been able to do in the speed D under Alex Grinch the last couple of years. Grinch, of course, now gone. Tracy Clay's now in the mix of the defensive coordinator for Washington State. And, and, and the Cougs defensively have given Stanford some serious fits over the last three years or so. What have you seen from that side of the ball so far this year? I think he's kept good going. It's a little bit different because personnel change. Hercules is gone. Mm-hmm. And the strengths probably the secondary and the linebackers, Pelour, Jalen Thompson, all Pac-12 level guys. And Thompson's probably a Sunday guy from everything I hear. So you've got pro talent. But, you know, the thing that I've become accustomed to with the way the scheme is, it it used to think that with Grinch it was like more with less just because they're a little bit smaller. And I I think it's just now it's not more with less. It's just a different way to do it. Hmm. You know, and 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 I've seen them beat too many teams, too many guys with – with pro offensive players, I've seen him win too many of those games and, and be top 15, top 20 nationally in, in total defense with quote unquote small guys. And, and I'm, I'm just come to the conclusion. It's, it's not less, it's just a little different, you know, and these guys are elite. They know how to, they know how to execute the scheme and, and they basically play nickel all the time. And, and Hunter Dale's the nickel back this year, along with, with Thompson at safety and Skylar Thomas at safety. And it, it's just the way they get it done. And, and it's not about, you know, it's very different than Hollins, Die, and Jelks for Oregon, for instance, who are all like 6'5". You know, that's okay. It's a different body type and a different scheme. And, and obviously it works. It, it's going to be fun against you guys because you've got Parkinson, you've got Caden Smith, and you've got all these big tight ends. You always do. And, and it's 6'6 six, six against, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and and it's uh, it's gone the Cougs' way the last few years, and, and it's a it's a it's a fun contrast in style. Yeah, and, and oh by the way, it's also a defense that's going to have to come up against the Stanford running game that you know it, it's going to try to establish itself no matter what. David Shaw is going to try to keep pounding the rock with Bryce Love, Cameron Scarlett, and, and Trevor Space, no matter who is in the backfield. Uh, given that Stanford is a bit more of a run-oriented team than than, than most other teams uh, in, in the Pac-12, and as far as Washington State's opponents are concerned, how, how could that potentially change things from a defensive standpoint as far as their approach and some personnel that might be able to stand up uh, and, and, and show forward as a result? Uh, you know, I don't think a ton. We, they, they, we've seen this. We've seen teams try to do this year after year. Philip Lindsay with Colorado had 30 carries. Zach Moss this year had 30 carries. USC tried to do it from the snap. They had one successful drive and, and went 80 yards on the ground and then went like 30 yards the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, McCaffrey and Love and, and uh, Royce Freeman, and there have been so many great backs in this conference. I, I don't think it changes much for the Cougs. I think they've seen this before, maybe a little bit on the rush linebacker side where you're, you're using different personnel, not necessarily to get to the QB to stop the run, but nothing drastic, you know. I mean, that, that, that would be my uh, non-coaching kind of just layman observation as a, as a guy who sees the team all the time. I don't, I don't think they, hear, they see a run team and go, oh, we need to switch it up. 
All right, Matt, as we wrap this up here, what are some overall things you're going to be watching as things unfold at Stanford Stadium on Saturday afternoon? Well, that right off the right off the bat, you mean you got to you got to go right back to what we just talked about. It's it's what are they going to do with Spates and and Scarlett and Love and and one how is Love feeling? You know, he's missed a couple of games and he's the home run hitter and and he's the guy who was supposed to have the Heisman campaign and and by by most regards, you know, if he was at thousand yards already and twelve hundred yards like he had been in the past, it's probably a, a different different set of circumstances to a degree for Stanford and. Um, I think that's the question. How does he feel? And, and you won't know that until the whistle. So um, that's step one. And then, and then uh, you know, Stanford always, always has great, great secondary pros in the secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what are they going to do against the air raid? And, and how does that work out this year? And um, road games, this is, this is all about college sports is about if you're good, you win your home games. If you're great, you win your road games. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and road games are brutal. And it, I don't care if it's Stanford, Oregon State, Wyoming, they're hard. It's hard to do. It's hard in college sports, and 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 you know the the LA Coliseum bit the Cougs in a in a tight, if not controversial game. And uh, Stanford Stadium is is going to be difficult, just in and of itself, inherent in it being away. You know that's hard. That that's you won't know that until the whistle either. How's it going to play out? How's it going to feel? Yeah, and also from the Cougs standpoint, can they uh, can they maintain the level of play that they are able to maintain? Certainly for the first two quarters and maybe much of the fourth quarter. Can they right. do it for a full 60 minutes? That, of course, I'm sure is going to be a big thing to watch for Washington State as well. I do know this, Matt. No matter what happens on Saturday afternoon, it's going to be a thriller. See what I yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in the weight room right now, and, and sometimes you just – Sometimes you gotta you gotta pump the Michael Jackson. It's just part of the deal. You know what I mean? Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it. There's been the platters that matter. I like that. That that's good stuff. Love it. Love it. He, he Love is it. going to have the radio call for the Washington State IMG Sports Network from the Cougs side of things. I'll be right next door hanging out with Scott Reese and Todd Huzak. But it's gonna be a lot of fun. Washington State coming to town, and they're bringing Matt Chasnow, the radio voice of the Cougars, with them. And he just joined us here on the Treecast. Matt, always a pleasure. Thanks a bunch for taking out the time. Can't wait to see you on Saturday. All right, brother. Thanks for having me on. That's Matt Chasnell, the radio play-by-play voice of the Washington State Cougars. Looks like stash fever has claimed another victim on the Palouse. You know, very rarely, very rarely do we go inside the opponent on this show. Maybe this is the first time that we've ever actually talked to uh, to a representative of uh, of the opposing team on the TreeCast. And, and, and maybe that needs to change, you know? Maybe I should, maybe I should call that segment... The other team is trying to, because let's face it, you know, Stanford fans tend to tend to forget. I think sometimes that yes, the other team is trying to win too. That's why they're putting 32 people in the box and trying to stop Bryce love. You know, the other team is trying to, they're, they're trying to win as well. And I think sometimes where all the, all the criticism and all the, and all the, all the accolades get laid at Stanford from a Cardinal fan's perspective, you know, sometimes, you know, the other team has, not sometimes, pretty much all the time, most of the time, uh, the other team has a hand in Stanford's fortunes as well. They're trying to win too. So uh, good to, uh, good to get that perspective on things, especially from the hottest team in college football. It seems as of right now, their Q rating cannot be much higher and brief aside here, you know, hats off to Pullman. You know, I, I travel, you know, all throughout the conference for the, for the Pac-12 network. And every time I'm in Pullman, you know, I always enjoy my time there. I really do. It's, it's difficult to get to and it's almost impossible to leave. But once you're there, 
that place is pretty cool. It really is. You know, we, we at the Pac-12 Network get, get treated like kings, quite honestly, whenever we're there. But there's, there's just a certain, certain spirit about the place that, and a certain energy about the place that you sense while you're, while you're walking around there and having conversations with people. I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fun uh, heading up to Pullman and, 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 and covering, the teams, covering the teams up there. I called the Washington State spring game for the Pac-12 Network spring football game a couple of years ago. So that was a lot of fun, even though that game was played in Spokane. But Coog Nation, of course, uh, was there that day. But, you know, I, 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 I like to see the Cougs succeed. I, I kind of pull for Washington State on the sly. 51 weeks out of the year. This ain't the week. Stanford needs to win this game. And some things that need to happen, in my mind, for Stanford to become victorious over the Washington State Cougars this week. Some of those things include Lance Anderson, the Stanford defensive coordinator, and Frank Bunkum, Stanford safety. I thought in particular those two guys had bounce back games against Arizona State. I was, I was very pleased with, with what seemed to be Lance Anderson's game plan against the Sun Devils, bringing pressure from all different points, and heck, just bringing pressure, period. As Manny Wilkins was quite frustrated uh, throughout much of that game. Secondary was on point as well. Frank Bunkum, uh, I thought, who quite honestly had, had some very tough moments against Utah and, and some other spots throughout the season. He bounced back too. That said, both of those two guys, I think in particular, defensively for Stanford, have better eat their Wheaties this time. The air raid throws so many things at you, and it's not just Washington State's proficiency in throwing the football. Their running backs can play too. Max Borgie, we talked about him. James Williams, who had the play of the game for Washington State last week, which started off with that, that, that trick play, the swing and gate type formation, which they, which they call Big Gulp. It started from there, and then James Williams finished it off with one of the runs of the year uh, in college football as a whole. So they can run the ball, too. Can Stanford turn the Cougs into a one-dimensional team? That is going to be, I think, one of the, the big things to watch, obviously, um, in, in this game. And I certainly think that, that, that Frank Bunkum is going to have a huge hand in, in, in deciding that he's going to be tested as well as the rest of the, of the Stanford secondary very heavily. But overall to me, above all else, I want to know what the Stanford offense can do and what, what answers it comes up with against that, that speed D now run by Tracy Clays, the Washington state defensive coordinator. I remember asking Mike Leach about, about how Tracy Clays was doing back in, in Pac-12 Football Media Day back in July. And I, I want to know if Stanford's solutions include using Washington State speed against them. And what's, what's the number one thing that you can do when you are trying to attack an opponent? Turn their biggest strength against them. Will Stanford use Washington State speed against them? with? Misdirection, which is how Stanford ended up winning that game and pulling out that victory up, up, up in Pullman three years ago. Because they noticed the Cougs' defense was keying in on Christian McCaffrey, and they started playing a little more option with Kevin Hogan, Hogan keeping it, 
and then running 60 yards, scot-free, untouched into the end zone for the game's biggest score. That's how you beat the speed, uh, the speed D. Can they do it with misdirection? We saw screenplays last week against Arizona State for Stanford. And not just screenplays, but screenplays that worked. A couple got taken back due to penalty. Devery Hamilton, I'm sure, is still kicking himself for, for committing that unnecessary holding penalty that took a touchdown off the board, off the screen pass for Stanford in the second quarter against Arizona State. But screens are a good way to, to help beat the Cougs defensively and turn their biggest strength against them, too. Now that that's in the playbook, is that something that the Cardinal will be able to use more of going forward and get results in going forward? That, to me, is the key to this game. Can Stanford offensively come up with the solutions that it needs to against a highly underrated defensive unit for Washington State? People talk about the air raid all they want to, and that's fine. That's fine. They're fun to watch. But that defense has set the tone for that squad over the past few years. That defense, when they've had a defense that's gotten after it, that's when the Cougs have had the most success. No coincidence that that is shaping up or shaped up to this point in the season once more. I want to know if Stanford has the right answers against that speed D. That, to me, is going to be the critical thing to watch when Stanford faces Washington State on Saturday afternoon. Can't wait. It's going to be an intriguing chess match all the way around. Looking forward to being in the building for that. And, of course, the next time the TreeCast comes to you will be on Sunday as I'll be in the Stanford locker room bringing you the interviews from the folks who, who shape the course of that game as we'll bring you those interviews coming up on Sunday on the next edition of the TreeCast. And, oh, by the way, we're taking the TreeCast on the road next week when the Cardinal head up to Seattle to face the Washington Huskies. That should also be a very interesting game. But we'll, well, let's get through this one first, all right, because this one uh, will certainly not be easy as uh, a hot Washington State team that, granted, still has to prove that it can play at that high a level for more than just 30 minutes or so. We'll be looking to prove itself against a Stanford squad that's looking to put together 60 minutes of consistent football of its own. So no shortage of, of things to watch on and off the field this Saturday afternoon. Thanks again to our guests, the Andrew Luck, Director of Offense, to Vita Pritchard, Stanford Offensive Coordinator, joined us earlier in the TreeCast, as did the radio play-by-play voice of the Washington State Cougars, my man. Matt Chaz now. Always great to catch up with those two guys. Biggest thanks, of course, to you for listening to the show, for subscribing via Apple Podcasts and rating and reviewing the show, for telling other Stanford fans, and heck, even if they're not Stanford fans, tell them about the show anyway. They might like it. You never know. And for following me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity, and sharing your thoughts on Twitter as well, at hashtag TreeCast. Big thanks of all going out to all of you who do any or all of those things. And we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Thanks again for joining us on the TreeCast with Troy Clary.